0: Hey, everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message.
1: Well, hey, good morning, Fern Creek. It's great to see you. Thanks for sharing your Super Bowl Sunday with us. I'm just, I'm just curious. I just need to ask, where are our Chiefs fans? Any Chiefs fans? couple. How about our 49er fans? Okay, okay. How about our commercial fans? Any Taylor Swift fans? <laughs> I'm glad this is the last time we see her. All right, here we go. I'm just... I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Hey, welcome to you. If you're visiting with us, we are navigating through um, probably the least read section of the Bible. It's the very last section called the Minor Prophets, and uh, man, we're learning a lot. Uh, We're in week six. We're halfway through, and and I'm just telling you, today's the hardest day. Like I read, today's prophet is Micah. Well, before, I, before we get into how hard Micah is going to be, let, let me introduce you to some folks who made Fern Creek their home. I forgot to do this. Let me go back and, and get this done. Uh, Chuck and Jackie transferred their membership. Sue transferred her membership. And Layla was baptized last week. So that's a big deal. So we want to welcome, we want to welcome them. God's on the move. Um, so, so Micah, let's get back to Micah. Um, I'm just telling you, like, Like, this week, I was just, I'm like, what what is going on in this book? Like, I mean, like, he's here, he's there, he's here, he's there, and I'm like, I I just, I mean, so so I'm just telling you, this is the hardest one. Of of the 12, I think Mike is the hardest one. So before we start, just turn to your neighbor and say, buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) Because you gotta buckle up with me. I don't. I can't lose you. All right. I'm gonna try my best, Micah. If I run into you in heaven, forgive me if I don't get this right. Okay. But 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 as I'm reading this book, I'm like, God, I don't understand what He's doing, and, and, and so give me, give me, like, how do I figure this out? And it took like hours. But but let me let me give you a word picture um, that, that hopefully, as you read the book of Micah, you'll never forget it. Um, t- take a look at this picture. Here's here's what Micah does. Um, Look at this picture. How many of you see a picture of an old woman with a big nose? Do you see her? Do you see an old woman with a big nose? Okay, how many of you see a young woman looking away from you? How many of you are like, I have no idea what I'm looking at? Okay, okay. R- <laughs> really, this picture are, are two faces in one. Let, let me show them to you. Take a look at the next picture. Here, here's the young woman's face. If you take the red line, the very top black strip is her hat. The red line comes down and curves around her chin, goes back up, and there's her ear, and then her hair is, is underneath the black hat. And then the little line, the little line on, is her neck, like a little necklace down there. So, so, so you, do you see the young woman now? Okay, the old woman is you take you start up there and the red line comes all the way down and wraps around her nose and then comes up and then comes way down and wraps around her long chin at the bottom, goes right back up, you know, right back up. I, the, the eye of the old woman is the ear of the young woman. Now, if, if that doesn't help you, I'm sorry, I can't do any more, okay? <laughs> but, but it's a picture of a face and you see two people in one picture, that's Micah, that's Micah, Micah is going to paint one picture of two faces of God, I mean, and and that's how the book works, and he ping-pongs back and forth, so you got to stay with me, but he's the two faces of God prophet, Um, because you can read this book, and all you can see is the stern face of God, I mean, there's a lot of judgment God is holy, he is righteous, he does not bless sin, he will will punish sin, and you can read the whole book and that's all you can come across, God's a righteous, holy, angry God. But I'm telling you, like Micah does this other thing where as he's describing who God is, he's painting within that picture another picture that God is loving, he is graceful, he redeems and restores, and that face, that face is there as well. And so, we, we got to do some digging to, to, to pull that face out. So so let me just see if I can't uh, if I can't help you understand the book of Micah today. So so, so Micah begins to preach during the reign of th- three kings. Um, And he's he's going to talk about how God is going to judge the northern and the southern kingdom because the people have turned away from God. And he launches in to this whole holiness face of God, how God is going to punish sin. And let me show you how he does it. Look at verse 7. Why is God going to punish their sin? Why is God bringing his judgment? Micah explains it. Look at verse 7. All her idols will be broken to pieces. Now he's talking to God's people All their idols will be broken to pieces. All her temple gifts will be burned with fire. I will destroy all her images since she gathered her gifts from the wages of prostitutes. As the wages of prostitutes, they will again be used. Look at chapter two, verse one. Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning light, they carry it out because it's in their power to do so. They covet fields, they seize them. Houses, they take them. They defraud a man of his home, a fellow man of his inheritance. Verse 8, you strip off the rich robe from those who pass by without a care. You drive the women of my people from their pleasant homes. Now, what he's doing is he's saying, okay, God's coming, and he's going he's to bring justice. Why? Because you're not acting like the people of God. God's not just angry to be angry. And you are committing spiritual adultery. You're bowing down and singing songs and praying to other gods. And he doesn't like that. You lay awake at night scheming and plotting and planning how you can defraud other people, how you can abuse your power and take advantage of the poor, and how you rob people. And you don't even, you, you, you chase women out of their homes. And he's saying to the people of God, He's coming to execute judgment because you're not acting like the people of God. You're Geno's, <laughs> God's in name only, right? Like you, you, you wear the label, you go to church, but man, you, your hearts are far away and your actions are, are egregious to him. So look at Micah chapter two, verse three. So this is what God says he's gonna do. God says, I've had enough. This is what the Lord says. I will reward your evil with evil. You won't be able to pull your neck out of the noose. You will no longer walk around proudly for it will be a terrible time. It's coming. It's coming. God's gonna send the Assyrians to destroy the northern kingdom. He's gonna send the Babylonians to wipe out the the southern kingdom and the people are gonna go into captivity. So Micah is painting this righteous, holy, face of God, because what, what you need to know about God is, man, God is, God is not to be mocked. Like, like, God cannot wink at sin. He is holy and pure and righteous, and, and he punished in, in, that, in that form, in that character, man, he's got to punish sin, and that's the face that most non-Christians see. They see this stern, your God's just a meanie, Right? I mean, man, he's harsh and angry, punishes people. But, but <laughs> let someone rob them. Let someone abuse them. Let someone steal from them. Boy, man, we, oh, justice, we need justice. Uh, the, the people who see only God as this stern, righteous, judgmental God, man, they also overlook that God has pleaded For hundreds of years, God has pleaded, come back to me. Don't worship those idols. Bring your heart back to me. God has warned and begged and pleaded, and the people have just not listened. And when we fail to listen to reason, when we fail to listen to God, sometimes God says maybe consequence will teach you. Like I've tried to reach you, I've tried to reason with you, I've pleaded with you, I've sent prophets to you, like I've withheld the rain. but maybe, maybe consequence. And if you're a parent, you know this. Like you know this is how it happens, right? Like you can tell your, you can beg your kids and warn your kids, you can tell your little ones, don't stick the crayon up your nose. Don't stick the crayon up, don't, don't. And finally they stick it so far up it has to be surgically removed and you go, okay, what did we learn? Don't stick the crayon up my nose, yeah. Right? Don't touch the hot stove. Don't, no, don't and they touch so again, so sometimes even in consequence, God's not trying to be mean. He's trying to draw people back, but in his holiness, he can't just let sin go. So Micah is painting. Micah is painting this face of God that he is a holy, righteous, just God, and you don't mess with him. You don't play with him. You don't toy with him. Because he's holy and just and righteous and pure and he's gonna punish sin. And as he's painting that picture, he picks up a brush and he starts to paint inside that picture like another picture, this grace picture, this loving picture of God. But he does it in such a low key way, people miss it. And so I'm gonna unpack it for you. He paints this picture of of, of the loving and graceful and redemptive side of God with one word. It's a Hebrew word. I, I, I've read the book of Micah, I've heard sermons on the book of Micah, and I've never heard anybody unpack what I'm about to unpack with you, because it's in Hebrew. And, and so let me, let me get to it. Let me show you this other side of God's face. I'm gonna read the English until we get to the word that most people miss, because it's the word that he paints to show the grace of God, and I'll give it to you the Hebrew, and we'll learn a little Hebrew together. So let, 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 Micah chapter two, so he, he's, up until 2.12, he's painted the, you know, the holy face of God, and now watch how he pivots, and, he, and he, in that picture, he's gonna paint a graceful picture of God. Look at verse 12, God is talking. I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in the fold. Like a flock in the midst of its pasture, they will be noisy with men. What, what is God talking about? God is describing his people as sheep. It's, it's, it's a great illustration that in the Bible God uses all the time. He calls his people his sheep. And he says, some of the sheep are rebellious. They run from me. They disobey me. But there's, there's a few sheep. There's a remnant of sheep that stay close to me that listen for my voice, that know me. And that little remnant, I'm gonna gather. And I'm gonna gather them in, into a field. Now Now, they're... They're they're gonna be noisy with men. They're gonna be, do you you know anything about sheep? Sheep are very skittish animals. They're they're very anxious. A lot of things, look, sheep, have you ever thought about sheep? (laughs) Sheep are not predators, they're prey. Sheep, they don't have claws, they don't have fangs. You never read or watch a National Geographic when sheep attack. (laughs) No, that doesn't happen, right? I mean, sheep are very passive animals, and, and they're jittery, and that's a great picture of us. We are sheep, we are the sheep, right? And boy, we get anxious, we get skittish, we we get jittery, right? I mean, when you see gas prices go skyrocket, what do you do? Ba! Ah, right? When, when you watch the game tonight and you see Taylor Swift 37 times, what will you do?
0: Ah, right?
1: Yeah. Here's one for you. The election. I mean, can, can you fathom what we're facing? One man is mentally deficient. The other one's morally deficient. Bah! All right? And, and I'm just saying, like, like, we get nervous and skittish and jittery, and God is like, God is like no, 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 no. I, I'm going to help you with the noise of men. So, so do you know what a shepherd would do with his sheep when they were out in the middle of the field and he had, like, a little, a little, bitty, you know, a little bitty flock, because this is the remnant, little bitty, little bitty flock, this vast pasture, I mean, there were all kinds of animals out there, and the sheep would get, so he would build within the big pasture like a, like he'd take a bunch of stones and he'd stack them up, and he basically would build a little pen, and he would put the sheep in this little rock pen so so they would be safe. Or or if he couldn't find rocks, he'd get these big sticks, and he'd, he'd just build a pen, and he'd put the sheep into that pen so at night, you know, they might hear something, they might bah, but but they were safe and he kept them together and he tried to settle and calm them down. And I'm just telling you, there is something for us here. No matter how, how high gas prices go, no matter who wins the election, no matter what happens, he is the shepherd watching over you. And you can rest in that. You can, in the midst of the noise of men, you are his sheep. He sees you, he cares for you, he's watching over you. Please rest in that, especially as we approach this election. Now, in the morning, in the morning, when the sheep wake up and it's time to move out, well, what do the sheep do? They're in this pen. Well, you know what the sheep do. They get up and have their little lattes and change their clothes and open the door. No, no, they have hooves. You can't open a door or drink a latte or button your shirt with a hoof, all right? So the sheep are in this pen and they're like, well, how are we gonna get out? And here comes the word. Here comes with, 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 the, with the penning of one word, he begins to paint this beautiful picture of a loving, graceful God. Let me give it to you. Micah 2.13, ha portes. that's the word, ha-portez goes up before them, they break out, they pass through the gate, they go out by it, so their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head, now I gotta tell you, I read right past that, and then I read a commentary that opened my eyes and I went back and I went, oh my gosh, I missed it. He, who is this loving God? It's, it's, it's ha portes. See, some translations, if you, you got the NIV or the NLT or the NASB, so some English translations will translate this as the leader. The leader goes before them, or the one who opens goes, no, 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 no. Let, let, let's learn a little Hebrew. Let's learn a little Hebrew that teaches us that God is a loving, redemptive God. All right? Ha portes. Let me, let me, let me. Uh, let me give it to you. Two words in one. Um, so the portes, right? The portes means to break. You, know, break, you break something. You, drop, you ever broken something? Yeah, you drop a plate and you broke. So it means break. The, the Hebrew word ha, right? If, if ha ever comes before a word, it means the. So, so, so what Micah is doing in a very sneaky way, he says, listen, the breaker is coming. The bre- this is a title. It's not just a word, it's a title. It's, it's, it's a messianic title for the Messiah who's gonna come. He's like, God's gonna put you in this pen, and then the breaker is gonna come, and the breaker is gonna break you out and lead you home. And, and, and it, it just dawned on me as I sat, going, what is Micah doing? This is the only time in the whole Bible uh, the Messiah is given this title, the breaker. And, and, and when you think about it, who is Messiah? It's Jesus. Jesus is called the Breaker right here in Micah. Now, now Jesus has gotten a lot of nicknames. You, you read the Bible and you'll, man, he's the, the Lamb of God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the King of Kings. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Son of Man. He's the Bread of Life. But right here, Micah calls him the Breaker. The break, look, look, in the midst of all of this holiness of God, he is sending the breaker. And when I think about Jesus, what a great, have you ever thought about him being the breaker? Like, like, I think of that as a wrestling name. Into the ring comes the breaker, right? What a cool name for Jesus. But when you think about it, it so fits. So fit. Jesus broke the laws of nature. He didn't swim in the water. He walked on top of it. He didn't meander through the weather. He controlled it. He he didn't run away from leprosy. He cured it. He broke the laws of nature. He broke the power of the devil. With one word, he sent the demons fleeing. He broke into death's castle and stole the keys. He said, Lazarus, who had been dead for three days, come out of that grave. Lazarus came back to life. Death could only keep him for three days, and he rose to life. He breaks the sin that entangles me. When he died on the cross, the veil that was in the temple that separated the common man from God, that veil was broken in top, from top to bottom. And friends, before Jesus returns. Before the kingdom of God can fully be enacted on the earth, he will break something else. Look at Revelation chapter five with me. John says, I saw a right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, so God's sitting on the throne with a scroll in his hand, with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I saw another mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to, what's the next word? Yeah, who who can break the seals? Who can open the scroll? And no one in heaven on earth uh, or under earth could be found to even look inside it, to break the scroll and look inside it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to break, he's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So, friends, listen to me. In the midst of this holy, righteous God, there is this other aspect where he says, Listen to the remnant, hang in there. I'm sending the breaker. And when he comes, he will break you out and lead you home. So, so friend, in the midst of the craziness of the pasture, in the midst of when God you know, rewards evil with punishment and he judges evil and we see, see that happen all around us, you, you take heart, don't lose control, because he's got you, it's gonna be okay. One day the breaker is gonna come. He's gonna break through the clouds and he's gonna wipe every tear from your eye and he's gonna lead you home and make all things new. So Micah is painting this portrait of God and he takes a lot of time to talk about the holiness and the righteousness of God, but with one little word. And he says, but to the remnant, man, the breaker's coming and the breaker's gonna make everything okay. And then he jumps back. He drops that, that the little pencil of grace and then he goes back and he picks up some more of the, the colors of, 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 of righteousness and holiness and continues to paint that side of God. That's why this book is so hard. He just jumps all over the place. But let me go back to the, to the, to the holiness part of God. Look at what he does you know, after he just talks about the breaker and hanging on. Look at what he does. He goes back. Look at Micah chapter three, verse five. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, If one feeds them, they proclaim peace. If he doesn't feed them, they prepare to wage war against him. Therefore, night will come over you without visions, darkness without divination. Micah 3, 9. Hear this, you leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers over the house of Israel, you who despise justice, you who distort all that's right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness, Her leaders judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for a price. Her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. So so you see what he's doing. He's going back and he's colored in more of the holiness, righteousness face of God. Why? Because they're all corrupt. Again, the priest, the priest of God have neglected their priestly duty. They want to be liked. They want to be popular. They want to get paid well. So they preach this sugary bubblegum gospel. Oh, you know, it's going to be good with you. You see it today. I mean, just think about think about how many preachers all they preach is, man, all is well. God wants you to live your best life now. You're healthy, you're wealthy, you're good looking. Now reach in those jeans and pull out those greens, right? I mean, that's that's kind of how it works. There are no sermons on sin anymore. There are no sermons about the holiness, the righteousness, the justice, the judgment of God today. And God says to those priests, man, I've had enough. I've had enough of you because all is not well. All is not good. You are teaching the people to sin. You are not confronting their sin. You're letting, you're just preaching health and wealth, prosperity, gospel. And I'm coming to bring judgment. And look at what the judgment is, Micah 5.1. Marshal your troops, O city of troops, for a siege is laid against us they will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. So again, Micah goes back, and man, he after he talks about the breaker is coming, he drops that pen, and he goes back and starts drawing in more of the holiness of God and how, man, God's gonna execute judgment. But then he drops the pen again, and he goes back to the grace pencil. And he picks up the grace pencil, and watch how he does it. Watch how he talks about, and yet for the remnant, there's gonna be this this hope, this restoration, and he does it in a verse that I guarantee you, if you've been in church very long, you've heard at Christmas. Look at Micah chapter five, verse two. So right after the whole judgment of God stuff, verse two, but you Bethlehem, Apaphratath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times so as so, so he he just talked about you're gonna get struck on the jaw with an iron rod the very next verse but out of you Bethlehem is gonna come the breaker you remember a few verses ago he talked about the breaker is coming the one who's gonna break open a wall in the you know, hole in the wall and lead the sheep out he he now says where the breakers gonna be born He's gonna be born in Bethlehem. And what we call this is a messianic prophecy. This is, both of these prophecies are messianic, talking about the one who will come, talking about the Messiah. Now in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament there are about 300 predictive messianic prophecies. Things that were written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus is ever born, that talk about who he will be, what he will do. Some of these prophecies are real generic, like he'll come out of the tribe of Judah. They will call him Emmanuel. He will bring an end to to, to sin. So some of them are generic. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, a lot of them are incredibly specific. He's gonna ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. He'll be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He's gonna do miracles. He's gonna be born of a virgin. And right here in Micah chapter five, verse two, you've got one of the most iconic messianic prophecies that was ever, Micah doesn't know his name is Jesus. He's he's the breaker and the breaker is gonna come and the breaker is gonna be born in Bethlehem. That was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. Don't know who he is, but he's gonna be the breaker. He's gonna be born in Bethlehem. Now, check it out. How do we know? How do we know? Micah chapter 5, verse 2 is a messianic prophecy. Well, read the New Testament. You remember what happens. You remember the Christmas story. The magi come from the east. They follow the star. It stops over Bethlehem. Jerusalem is five miles away from Bethlehem. But they go to the palace of Herod the Great, right? Herod the baby killer. Because that's, that's where, you know, we're, we're here to worship the newborn king of the Jews. Well, he, there, there's the palace of the king of the Jews. Let's go and ask him. So you remember what they say, we've come to worship the newborn king of the Jews. Except Herod's like, what you talking about, Willis? I'm the king of the Jews, and I've not had any babies. So he gathers all of his religious dudes together, and he's like, all right, all right where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And look at Matthew chapter two, verse five. In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this was what the prophet Wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Who, who, who are the religious dudes quoting? Micah. They knew it was messianic. They knew that Micah, 700 years earlier, talked about the breaker, and the breaker was gonna be born in Bethlehem. Now, here's what's fascinating. Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, don't live in Bethlehem. They live 80 miles north in a little podunk town called Nazareth. So so let that soak for a minute. Mary and Joseph are 80 miles north in a town called Nazareth. That's where she's pregnant. That's where her family lives. That's where she's gonna have the baby in Nazareth. And God says, no, no, no. I, 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 through the prophet Micah, said that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So do you understand what God is, God is doing? He intervenes in human history. He plants the idea into a Roman pagan uh, emperor, Caesar Augustus, to say, you know what? You probably need to take a census. Yeah, I need to take a census. I need to have everybody go back to their ancestral homes. And so Mary and Joseph are forced to leave Nazareth to come down to Bethlehem, because that's where the breaker is supposed to be born. That's where the prophecy is supposed to be fulfilled. So the grace face of God might be seen by the world. How cool is that? So so, so, so again, he's painting the holiness, righteousness face of God, but every now and again he'll pick up his pencil and he'll jot something, a verse, a word. He's kind of hiding this this redemptive face, this grace. He does it again, don't have time to show you, but if you're curious, there's a lot of meat on the bones. Micah chapter six, verse one through seven, seven, he goes back to the holiness face of God. And then Micah seven, eight through 20, he comes back and he finishes up the loving graceful part of the face of God. It's really kind of wild what he does. And I'm gonna let you read those. On your own time, but let me, let, let me land the plane. And, I, and, and man, I, I told you to buckle up. I, I know this is kind of a lot, this is the hardest book. I'm telling you, this is the hardest prophet to understand because he jumps all over the place. He does all this crazy stuff. But what he does, I think, is pretty cool. So, so what's the application? What's the application? Well, man, I think one of the applications is, man, God, you can trust God, take God at his word. But, but, but the, the second application is, is this, and I think this is the strongest. <clears throat> The people of Micah's day were coming to church. They were singing the songs. They were listening to the preaching. They were giving their money, and yet their hearts were far away from God. They would go home and they would scheme on how to cheat their neighbor. They would go home to their little idols and bow down and pray to them. They would take advantage of whoever they could take advantage of, and and they thought they were good they were okay, and God says, no, that's not good. It's not just about going to church. It's not just about saying the prayer. It's not just about singing the song. Your heart has got to be in it. Your heart's gotta be in it. And so the people, the people say, well, what, God, what do you want from us? What do you, what do you want? And he, he, here's the last verse I'll leave. Perhaps one of the, the neatest verses of the book of Micah. Cha, Micah chapter six, verse eight. God answers, you know what I want. You know what I require of you? Look at Micah chapter six, verse eight. What does the Lord require of you? You wanna know what I want? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's what he wants. That's what he wanted from them. That's what he wants from us. It sums up the greatest commandments. Love God and love other people. And that's how we know our faith is genuine. Friends, listen. Your faith has got to move from your head to your heart to your hands. How awesome would it be for us to take those three ideas this week? We could do a whole sermon on that, right? How awesome would it be to say, okay God, help me put into play every single day this week to act justly. I wanna act justly. I wanna act right to all the people you bring into my life. I'm not gonna look to take advantage of anybody. I'm gonna act justly to the people I meet. I'm gonna love mercy. I'm gonna love receiving your mercy, and I'm gonna love giving your mercy. And God, I wanna walk humbly with you. And walking humbly with you means that your will supersedes mine. I will relent to your will. In Micah, we see two faces of God. He paints one picture, two faces. God is holy. Friend, he is just and he will meet sin with judgment but he's also full of love, full of grace and he will cover sin if you ask him to. And here's the deal, you get to decide which face God will view you with. So live out your faith. May it not just be a label you and I wear. May Sunday not be the only day We communicate and talk with God. Trust the breaker, born in Bethlehem. We know the breaker's name. Micah didn't know it, we know it. Trust Jesus, let him calm you. Let him keep watch over you and look forward to the day. Look forward to the day when he breaks through the sky and he leads us home. Let's pray.
0: Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard, or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org, and we want to put a name to your face, we want to know your story, and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.